I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Tri-tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Hey, Sarah. Sarah, we're back. We're back. It's so good to see you. You did such a great job at la- with last week's episode. I actually felt really bad because I like I went to my hotel room on Wednesday night, like when we first got there, I think it was the first day we were in Arizona. And I was like, okay, I even told everyone, I'm like, I'm going to record like 15 minutes for Sarah. And then I'm going to do this. Like I told them what my afternoon was going to be. And then I did completely like something was on fire, you know, with the business, not on fire. I'm exaggerating, but something needed attention. I took care of that. And then I was like, I got nothing. Like I just like sent you a three minute voice memo. So thank you. Oh no, I thought it was a great voice memo. You know, it was it was you in a in a little a little audio nutshell. Um, <laughs> no, you have a lot going on. I obviously had a lot to talk about. You like this week. You are carrying teams, so it's we're in it together, sir. That's uh, the bottom uh, line. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. A, a true collaboration, which I'm yeah. hoping to talk about later in the show. Uh, but the other thing I have, I actually have announcements <laughs> before Ooh. we start the show. Ooh. Uh-huh. Announcements. So first of all, in case you can't hear it, I'm sick. Yeah. And the only thing that, uh, the, what am I saying? The only work I committed to today was recording with you. Are you implying that talking to me is work? <laughs> I think that's exactly Ouch. what I'm like. <laughs> I would take it more like the opposite. Oh, okay. You, okay. This was the only task I had on my schedule that I was like, that's kind of like work, not work. So I'm going to keep it on my schedule. Like when I canceled everything else just to lie on the sofa, I think I've slept most of the last like oh, no. 36 hours or so. So, but today was better. What kind of <laughs> symptoms? What's what's going on? Honestly, I thought I might have COVID because I um because I was just like my main symptom has been fatigue. Mm. Uh, but I took a test yesterday and I don't, although maybe I should take another one. But I um I think I'm just struggling. Like I coughed up a bit of yellow when I was in Arizona. You know how you know how normally if you're at an event or something, like the sickness will hold off on like right. the day you get home within that second day, then you get sick. Like this, like I got sick, like midstream. <laughs> yeah that was it was still like an amazing weekend but that was kind of weird for me that was not a usual experience so I think I was like carrying some kind of like maybe like infection that I was fighting and then you know I did something that was very tiring and it started to like so I think I'm just fighting so you spread your exotic Canadian germs all over Arizona correct I thought it was a great idea just to have (laughs) just to have you know 60 women who cared about their businesses in the room. I think I actually think I'm probably not contagious. Like I think this is the same infection I had like a couple of weeks ago too. Okay. It's just like not dealt with immune system. 
Yeah, but yeah. if you're if you're listening to this and you're starting to feel symptoms, you know, uh... if, if someone was at the Altoken Summit and they have fatigue <laughs> and a, sm- a minor cough or coughing up gunk, you have me to blame. Please come and tell me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay, my other announcement. Ooh, yes, <laughs> is that I'm I'm recording in Jamie's office, but in approximately ten minutes from now. Him and his children are going to exit to go to, I believe, hockey practice or some children act some child activities <laughs> through the back door. And so we will see whether it becomes it might become part of the episode or they might make it out silently. I'm just unclear what's going to happen, but there's really no other way for them to because it's like freezing cold here in Calgary. There's no other way for them to exit to the garage and there's nowhere else for me to record without interrupting dinner. So here we are. Perfect. You know what? This does kind of make me think back to your raccoon and like when you would just pause mid episode and be like, oh, she's walking across the fence. I kind of miss the raccoon. (laughs) I kind of do too. I'm not equating Jamie's kids to raccoons. (laughs) You kind of are. But I kind of am. (laughs) I just miss having, I I actually do miss having like an animal that's like actually involved in the podcast somehow. Yeah. Like she definitely like would make an appearance on the regular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than your seagulls. The seagulls. Yeah. They're just not as fun. It's not the same seagull. No. Yeah. You know, like if it was one seagull, we could name her. She could become part of the show, but this is just random ad hoc seagullness. Yeah. Um. Okay, coming up on the show, I'm going to talk about a lot of things. Sarah, I want to find out your about your interpersonal frustration. Um, we're going to recap the Outspoken Summit. We're going to talk about collaboration. Um, and I might just call you out on something. <gasps> oh! Oh, that's way too much <laughs> for what it's going to be. Okay, after this. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. When I do my Inside Tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts so you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. 
In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy, and I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years, and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's Iron Women, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, Iron Women 1515 at orca.com. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun, and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good, and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 2.30 whoa, <laughs> and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram-for-gram -gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. I can't believe you're making me wait till the end of the episode to find out. We can do it first. We can do it first. No, 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 no. Let's <laughs> let's keep let's keep listeners and Sarah waiting till the end of the episode. Okay, I'm going to tell you though. I'm circling it now so don't forget it. I'm going to tell you though that it's like going to be I, it's not the hype is like it's, there's already been too much hype. Like, it, <laughs> like it's not going to stand up. But okay. All right. Okay. We can we can still do it. We can still do it. We'll wait. Um, okay, Sarah, I listened to your episode last week and like I said, it was amazing. I loved like I just pictured you sitting there talking and having your little run list. And um it was amazing. Uh, but I definitely first thing I want to follow up on, I have a few other follow-ups, but the interpersonal frustration, you were about to tell the story near the end of the episode, and then you just said, 
I want to wait for Sarah. So, oh, well, so there's been resolution. Oh, um, wow. There's like the story and then the continuum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole narrative arc here. All right. So one of, one of my uh, courses in grad school is professional seminar. And basically you learn about ethics and other aspects of being a psychologist. Uh, but it's supposed to be very much like a, a group discussion. It's a small group. You know, we, we talk about uh, insights that we have into the profession. We have an instructor who's supposed to be more of a facilitator than anything else, but they're the expert, obviously, you know, they're supposed to guide us in our journey towards becoming psychologists. Okay. And my pro sum leader for the first 10 weeks, uh, of this semester. So she's, she was an older woman, um, you know, amazing resume. So she started off as a registered nurse and then became like a, a healthcare activist for a while, went and got her law degree and then became a clinical psychologist. So super impressive and just kind of like casually skydives on the side. <laughs> so yeah. I was cool. The set yeah. woman set seemed sounds pretty, like a good match. <laughs> yeah, well, she seemed really interesting to me. Yeah. Until we realized that uh, she was completely out of touch with, like, did not know what we're supposed to be doing in course. Would sit there and just read her notes. Um, it wasn't really a lecture. It was a very interesting approach to it didn't listen to people at all uh it, like which is kind of interesting for a psychologist um just really wanted to dominate and control the conversation where we would be we would be flowing you know my my peers and I would be talking about something you know obviously relevant to the fields and all of a sudden she would just shut down or not even acknowledge our conversation and just totally pivot it was really weird um but so where where I really had a hard time was and and obviously this is all you know this all adds up to not being a great experience for everybody. But for me, the part that really I couldn't get over was that uh, at one point she was talking about a hypothetical patient and used a very offensive racial slur. Oh, ouch. And I just was totally in shock. My jaw dropped. I like could not speak the rest of the class. Presumably other people have the same reaction as you. Uh, they definitely noticed, but they kind of ignored it. Uh, and like kept the conversation flowing, but it, there was a, there was an awkwardness mm -hmm. in the room. Uh, and so I'm sitting with it. The next class, I'm like, I, I have to address this mm -hmm. because I can't get past it. Mm -hmm. um, like, and I just, I feel like, you know, this is something where like, uh, yeah, just 
for my for myself for other students because I talked to other students and I'm like did I hear that correctly like, yeah 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 you've you heard of like okay uh should I bring it up and they're like yeah I think I think that makes sense mm-hmm. um because I I also was uncomfortable but in that same court uh, class like each person was offended by something different um but this is the one thing that I'm like uh <laughs> so anyway I'm like, so Lee, can we, can we talk about something? Um, you know, last week there was offensive language used and like, let's just, let's just unpack this. Okay. Her response, totally defensive. Like, un- like I textbook. Um, I'm not racist. I have Asian friends. Like I respect that the, the Asian culture, like you name it, you name it. Like she went through all the different stages at no point acknowledged that she said something offensive. Um, and I'm like, this is, this is not, this is not good enough. Um, so basically Long story, not so short. Uh, I'm I'm going through everything right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to my advisor. One of one of my fellow members in the class is also. We have the same advisor. She had separate things that she brought. Like oh. we, yeah. Lee ended up having the instructor ended up having um, not an intervention, but the the faculty. Our faculty advisor like sat down and talked to her and she seemed really receptive to like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally hear you. Like things are going to be different. Okay. Nothing changed. Nothing changed in class other than the fact that she didn't use any, you know, racial or ethnic slurs from that point forward. Right. I'm like low bar. This is like, yeah, very low bar. I was going to say. Uh, (laughs) So last week this is in the last two weeks or is this like what's the timeline yeah this is over the course of the entire semester so like the racial slur thing that was like class number three okay um so <laughs> last <Lord>. week the <laughs> the head of the whole program comes in and wants to have like a a group discussion with all the students and with lee and at this point Basically, we'd all decided like we are done because we have her for two years. That's the part like I couldn't get over. I'm like, okay, if it's one semester, you just deal with it. I cannot, I cannot be in this environment for two years because I'm not learning anything. Like we we were looking at the syllabus with her. Like we've we've done nothing on the syllabus. This is this is not good. Um, wow, this is like a doctoral program. Like yeah. this is not like. Yeah. Yeah. It's not 101. It's no, like... no. She she basically so although to be fair, 101, sorry, 101 teachers should also not be using like like a racial slur. Yes. To be clear. Yes. Carry yeah. on. Not not appropriate. Um, but like we're just unpacking everything in this class, but we feel really awkward because you know, we don't want to hurt her feelings. She's a nice woman. Um, you know, she, she's trying, she's just the wrong fit mm-hmm. and has no idea what she's doing and probably pretty out of touch. 
Uh, I mean, there, there were other things too, but yeah, just this one example, like that was the real rupture point for me. So uh, at some point, this, this interaction that I had with her is brought up and I'm like, yeah, you know, that, that was, that was very hard for me to kind of overcome, uh, you know, not even necessarily because of the language used, but because of the response, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would have liked to had have seen like some acknowledgement that, yeah, I made a mistake, you know, not defensiveness. Um, I'm like that, that to me was more telling. So in this conversation last week with the head, direct, the head of the, the program, she was like, you know, I was talking to some other peers and we feel like in the past three or four years, students have just got, gotten so sensitive about these racial and ethnic, you know, you're just so much more woke. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, and basically implying that it wasn't her fault. It's just that we are super sensitive. I'm like, Lee, what decade would it have been okay for a teacher to use that language in class? Like this is, you can't just shift blame to the students. You have to recognize that you made a mistake, (laughs) but just the whole thing reinforced um, that, yeah, she was not well suited to the position. And she is no longer teaching that course. And I've been reassigned to a different person and it's amazing. And that was a very long story. So she, she, she got reassigned, like she's no longer teaching yeah. like, at all or no, just this course, this course. And I'm a little nervous that I'm going to have her again at some point. <laughs> oh, Sarah. Wow. Okay. It sounds like you did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, that was very long venting. Thanks for listening to me. No, no. Have you, okay. Have I, have I told this story on the podcast about like when I was in boarding school and the exorcism? No, this is, if that doesn't sound familiar that I haven't told this story yet. I would remember an exorcism. I have a, a similar story. Now I'm going way off script. Okay. Yeah. I think you would remember. That's why I said that first. So when I first went, I went to boarding school for one year in Scotland. That's when I met JB. And we had a house mistress who was like very, so all the, like, we were all like in, we were in boarding houses. They were like, I don't know, maybe four or five kids from every year would be in a house. And then we were like, there were three, I think, different girls houses. And so our house mistress, that's what that was a big, that's a funny name now that I'm saying it again these years later. Anyway, she was like very religious. They were very religious family. And occasionally I'd notice like things were being said to like the younger kids or things like made me uncomfortable or whatever. But one night, one, no, one afternoon, me and my friends had been playing like with a Ouija board in one of my friend's rooms. Right. And that night she, uh, like a book fell on the top of her, like a book, we figured later, we figured later it was a book that fell, right? But she heard a loud bang in the night. She became scared. I remember her coming. She was, I mean, this was a girl who like, wasn't, I don't know. She was like, not totally adjusted. If yeah. you will. She came, like she got into my bed with me, like in the middle of the night. She was scared. Yeah. 
right? And so she went and she was, this isn't, this is an 18 year old, by the way, this is not a 12 year old. This is an 18 year old. She came, or maybe 17. She came and got my bed when I was like, get out of my bed. Like, what are you doing? Right. She went to someone else's bed. Like it was a whole thing. Anyway, the next day, the story comes out that she was scared because we'd been playing with his beach board. And, and so <laughs> next thing, you know, <laughs> a couple days later, she's got like a priest or I don't know what denomination, like church of Scotland, maybe like pastor in the room. And we're like, we, we all have to go into her bedroom. Right. And like, as we're like, we, it's what starts out with like us saying a prayer as I'm listening to it, we're standing all there, all of the girls who are part of like the Ouija board thing. We're like, <laughs> and I realized how I feel like, oh, this is an exorcism. We're doing a fucking exorcism. <laughs> what yeah and I was like okay like having noticed a few things before where there were like comments that I thought like that I thought weren't appropriate for like the younger kids um from her and I can't remember any of them now otherwise I'd say them but like I was like this is next level like this is not okay right so I wrote a letter to like the deputy headmaster anyway long and short of it is she ended up being removed (laughs) from the boarding house and we had a new house mistress who was um, a much better fit. <laughs> and I was like, you can't, like, what, how is it that you don't understand that you can't perform an exorcism right now? Like, I was not at a religious school, to be clear. This was not a religious school. Like, we had that bit of, like, Church of Scotland, like, just, like, in a traditional sense. But it wasn't, like, a, you, people didn't send their kids there because it was a religious school. Yeah, so... <laughs> That just made me think of that story. Cause I'm like, oh, and then yeah. I had this like hint of moment where I'm like, did I get her fired? <laughs> you know, and then later, like the deputy headmaster who later became the headmaster, he's like, I'm always gonna remember you as the person who got Mrs. Campbell fired. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I guess I did. Yeah. You know, to be fair, she shouldn't have been in the position. Yeah, and I think this is probably the case with your instructor as well. Well, what what was good is that we had solidarity. Um all of mm. us felt as though we needed to be moved or have a different instructor. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's good when you can count on your peers. Oh yeah. Stand by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, super good. Um, okay. So where do I want to go to next? There's a few things that stood out for me last week. Like one thing is like I really liked when you said body confidence is attractive, you know, when you're going through your list. And like, I I often say that, like, I also think like confidence is attractive mm. just in general. I've probably said this before, but like, and I use that one. I actually use that one as a mantra for myself because I like, like, and confidence, like that hits that sweet spot where it's like not ego and it's not like, there's some humility involved in it, but it's not also like underconfidence or like this weekend at the summit, we talked a lot about imposter syndrome. Like, it's not that, like I would use it, I would use the mantra to overcome imposter syndrome, but it's like, where am I actually confident? And like, how can I like lean into that? Yeah. Um, So I kind of loved that point. Um, And thank you for saying that I rock for being a connector. You do rock for being a connector. I mean, you were outspoken supplement. Like you were connecting with a whole bunch of really awesome people Mm -hmm. last week. So, but yeah, I wouldn't be on this podcast if you hadn't made all the connections. Yeah, connected all so the nice. dots. No, the reason that you're on, the main reason why you're on this podcast is because when Kelly left and I put it out there on social who they wanted to replace, everybody said you. <laughs> well, if you hadn't made the connections, <laughs> that wouldn't be happening. 
Um, so, okay. I, <laughs> I, um, okay. Outspoken Summit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Cause it was totally amazing. Um, I wrote a blog. I just want to like say, I want to make sure that I say these things. I'm pulling up so, right now, Sarah. Like you said, it was not triathlon focused. It was business focused. So what we did was we shifted this year. We used to be the outspoken women in triathlon summit, and it was focused around women's leadership in triathlon, right? So this year we sort of reframed it to endurance sport. And that was just kind of a way to include our gravel community too, which is pretty big. And I'm hoping to expand it more. Like we had a couple ultra runners there. Um, cycling broadly is also like another area that needs uh, support on the women's side. Oh yeah. Um, and so I think like there's room to grow with expanding it to endurance sports. And then the other thing is that um, we wanted to, cause we were like, we knew we we're coming out of, coming out of the pandemic we most of us are kind of aware if we haven't felt it already that we're that we may be facing a recession ahead Mm -hmm. and so we thought you know what like let's try to support the people who are either own a business or trying to start a business in triathlon like let's see what we can do in that space and if we can help people to actually make more money or turn their side gig there was a lot of people in this category there turning their side gig into like their full-time job but that was their what they wanted to do um and so that's kind of how we reframed it. And so there was a bit of a mixed group. And interestingly, like we only had, I suspect it would be different next year, but we only had three or four people who are, who returned from the, like we had 150 people in 2019. Only four of them came back this year. Wow. Which is interesting. interesting. Like so, some of them, it would be because it's, they're not business owners, but I think there would be like, given where we are, like I just said, like the intersection with coming into the pandemic, like the global economy. I think if we, um, like by next year, the year after we might get more people back. At least that's what I'm hoping. Um, Cause I, like, it was amazing. Like the people like, okay, I'm going to read you my list of things that I noticed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote this blog about how, like, I actually feel buoyed by like the future of like women led business in the endurance sports space. Oh, I love it. Because of the people in the room. Right. So a lot of people came alone which was like super interesting to me. And we made this, we like created a group me. Have you, have you ever used group me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We made it like a group me space for everyone. And like, even before arrival, like everybody was connecting people who didn't know each other at all and like figuring out dinner plans and workout plans and like how to meet up. A lot of people put in there, like I'm alone, I'm, I'm coming alone. Da, da, da. And they all just like connected on that and bonded. Right. And like, we didn't see that coming. We were like, Holy, this is amazing. Right. Yeah. And so like, I think it was like, so my first point was like around in the blog, (laughs) which I'm now reading up the screen was like this balance between like that fierce independence of being willing to go to a business conference on your own and like the desire to connect and network. Right. Like, I think those two qualities together are like, can be pretty magical if you're building a business. Um, Second was that like they had the, they had the willingness to do the work. So we did, we had like a, some main stage panels on things that were more like on the inspirational side, or like we talked about um, imposter syndrome. Like I said, we had uh, me and Vic Brumfield did a, did a talk about uh, CEO mindset, you know, to try to get like, but those are all kind of, they're kind of like broad, broad topics. Right. But then we also had a ton of top like uh, breakouts where you were like literally creating your marketing plan, like <laughs> during the session. Um, and that was like, where you had like a worksheet that Catherine gave you, you know, <laughs> like people did their homework. Right. So it was like that willingness to like get shit done. Right. Um, 
and then learning and sharing their voice. Right. So I think like I saw a lot of people like learning from each other. Like it wasn't what we did. Just like we just created the environment and like let people go and they just kind of like so they were like sharing their voice and their expertise with each other um, mm. in like equal measure. Like people were listening when they needed to listen, speaking when they needed to speak. Like that was really cool. Um, and then I said, oh, the combination of humility and inner strength. Right. So there's like it like if you if you it takes humility to like f- fly across the country and try to learn from a group of strangers um but it takes like strength to actually like stand up and tell those strangers your business goals <laughs> right um so that was cool and then collaboration which is like back to your original point about me i don't know like me trying to be a, or being a connector like it, one of my core values we talked about core values one day someone asked it when um vic and i were talking and it's like, you know, I think my like number one business value is about collaboration, mm. right? What would you say? What would be like, if someone asked you like, what's your number one value in like your work, which I think would probably be school right now. Would you say? Uh, yeah. I mean, that it really comes down to what's your purpose. Mm-hmm. And my purpose is to become the best psychologist I can be for future patients mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. which is kind of lame I don't know it's not lame at all well, not not lame <laughs> but like it's not zingy it's not it's not you know not as cool as like a fun little package for right yeah but then, like as a value what would that be like would that be like learning right now for the stage that you're in yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just being, just being open to new ideas and to learning and being humble about the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Um, okay. So in the vein of collaboration, I wanted to share, and I would like your feedback on this too, but like Ooh. for me, like I've always believed that collaborations like really important, but I've had lots of partnerships go wrong as well as right. And like that have been a mix. And I've noticed, like, I've noticed that like one thing tends to go wrong in general with a business collaboration or communication. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think like it would, it would come down to that ultimately, like better communication would definitely, but like I find, and like, I'm hoping this will be helpful for, for anyone who's like running a business, but like that not everyone, which I think I, I think I, didn't understand this before, but like not everyone automatically assumes that like what you're creating, whether it's a business or whether it's like some kind of joint venture or whether it's just like a separate brand and you're partnering on revenue, like whatever the partnership is, it's like not everyone assumes that it is a separate entity to you mm. and the partner. Right. Right. So like what's best for the entity, right. Might be different than what's best for you what's best for the partner. And like, you have to know what the values are of the, of the partnership, like of whatever it is you're creating for the partnership. Right. So if the value, like always in business, you're trying to make money. Right. But if that's like the only value, if one person only values that, but someone else is also trying to do social good, you're going to end up miscommunicating. Right. So like, you have to know and understand like that, first of all, that there is a separate entity (laughs) and what the values of that entity are and then how the assets like are owned and how they would be like and how they are owned by and what percentage of them are owned by each of the partners 
Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's like being parents to a, a new human, like just a human. So you created this thing together, but that thing has its own life. Like it's going to have its own trajectory and you kind of have to be pretty hands off at a certain point. Like, do you, like, it's not you. Um, yeah, you helped create it, but that little human is going to do its own thing ultimately. Like, yeah. You have to separate your own ego from whatever path it takes. Yeah. So like feisty has a set, like, for example, feisty, I'm the sole owner of feisty right now, but it does have like a, a set of values yeah that might be like different from my personal values like they'll be similar because i'm the only owner but like if you're in it if you like you and i are business partners it would have to include some of your values <laughs> right um so i i have found that that has been like that's a place where it's broken down is like where people do not automatically understand that it is a separate thing um, which is weird to me. Like, I still feel weird saying it. Cause I'm like, of course they, people know that. Duh. <laughs> but like people do not. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, because I mean, we, we place a lot of value on the work we do and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to just kind of realize that it's its own entity. Like, like you said. Yeah. 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 It's true. Especially, especially once you have people working for you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like everybody's put a little piece in. Yeah. And you have to be able to, and you have to be able to communicate what the values are of that thing so that people can be aligned. Yeah. Whether they're a partner or someone that works for you. It's like, are you aligned with these values? Because if you're not like, like you shouldn't be here. And if you are great, like, so that's been my, like, and I've, I've seen that go wrong and like, big and small ways. So now I catch it pretty early. I'm like, oh, okay, here's what we just talk about. You know? Um, so it's well, my collaboration story. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, now that you're the boss, you know, you just have to get people on board. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Easier said than done. I know. <laughs> no, actually I, I find most of my people are like, you know, we, like not that they're like on board with my thing, but like, because we're collaborative, it's like, I've heard them, you know, but continuing to figure out how to communicate those things and be collaborative is just an ongoing process. Hmm. Um, but, okay. Let's take a break. And then I, I'm going to call you out on something. Oh, so I'm so nervous. Should I be nervous? Wrong? It's actually, it is anticlimactic, but oh. I didn't have anything else on my run list. So, okay. <laughs> um, okay. When you were... <laughs> You were talking about how it was like unseasonably warm for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck you. (laughs) Why? In Arizona. And I think one of the examples you gave was Arizona. Like it was freezing. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. Like it was like, it's weird. It's a weird kind of cold in the desert because like it wasn't freezing. Like it wasn't snowing or anything. Right. But like, I always forget how cold it feels in the desert. You know, like we were all wearing our winter jackets to like the opening. We had an opening what? reception on like the rooftop of the hotel. And we were like, and and everybody was wearing their like puffy, puffy coats. <laughs> I guess at night, I mean, it does, it does drop quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, damn it. 
lots of warm weather i came all the way to arizona it was kind uh, of upsetting no snow i woke up the snow this morning so hmm. there's that oh, okay Good. now you've made up for it yeah sorry That's okay <laughs> sorry to make you feel bad about it not being warm enough in arizona that was anticlimactic. Okay, I have another thing to ask you. Oh, okay. The, okay, this is something that came up on one of the panels, right? That like, you know how there's this kind of I've heard this several times before that like women should stop apologizing, like stop saying we're sorry, like sorry I'm late, instead say like thank you for waiting. Mm. Um, and that women apologize more than men. Do we? Uh, apparently, I bet we do. Apparently, yeah. I bet Canadian women even more. I know we're just apologizing. Fiends you apologize for everything all the time. And we say it in a funny way with the hard out. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but like, okay, first of all, what do you think about that? Because you just apologized. So I'm wondering what you think about that. Uh you're right. I'm not actually sorry. So why did I lie? <laughs> not only are you, you lied to me, Sarah. I lied to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's, it's a way of showing empathy, right? Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said about that. Mm-hmm. We do We do say it when we shouldn't it's a way of there's got to be a better way of acknowledging that we we have made somebody else feel a certain way mm-hmm. so if you're late i don't know i feel like that's worthy of an apology mm-hmm. i do too yeah i guess it it all depends on the context right yeah yeah no i'm with you i just like i hear that a lot maybe it's because i like hang out on social media or like in business, or like follow business things on social media. So it comes up a lot. It's like women stop apologizing or like people make the joke like, oh, we're not apologizing anymore. Right. <laughs> like, mm. And I'm often like, I just like, I'm, I have a double reaction to it. Cause one is like, yes, like we should not apologize for things that we're not sorry for. <laughs> and then two, like maybe some people should apologize more. Like when I mean that I'm sorry and like some, maybe someone else should just like, and I, and it, I mean, ipso facto, that group would be men based on whatever the, like, whatever the study was that showed that women apologize more, but like whoever the people are who aren't apologizing for things that that they should be, should apologize more. You know, there are definitely times where I will apologize for somebody else, you know, like, (laughs) like say, I don't know, the wait staff you know, knocks water onto you. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yes, I do that too. <laughs> like somebody bumps into me and I say sorry to them. <laughs> yeah, I, I like do that all the time. It's like a reflex. Like, yeah, trying to make another person feel at ease for whatever they've done. Oh, geez. Yeah. But th- in that scenario, like if you don't say something, I don't know. Then they then they just feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably no. Here's the here's the thing. What's the what's the downside? Great, great. It yeah yeah yeah. Great, great question. It depends on how it's heard or taken. Like it depends on whether someone then is thinking. Yeah, you should be sorry. Like of all the people in the room, you should be sorry. You know, like 
but but I don't know. So I'm just I'm just imagining you walking into like a feisty team meeting mm-hmm. and you're 10 minutes late. Which has happened several times. I can imagine. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, of course you're going to apologize. I'm so- I am sorry. Like, I actually do not value my time more than other people's time. Like, I am sorry. But the messaging that we get is because you're the boss, you shouldn't ever apologize. Because mm. those same, you know, female leadership whatevers, uh, I'm lacking a better... Like when, when they give advice, uh, well, a male CEO wouldn't, wouldn't apologize yeah. for being late. Like, like yeah. you said, they should. Right. Like, it's right. not a sign it's of like, weakness. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the assumption that like, the like I am not trying to be like a traditional male CEO. Right. That is not my role. That is not who I want to be. I might want some of those characteristics. I might, whatever. I don't even know what those characteristics are. I will never know what it's like to be a male CEO, whatever. Like, I don't really know. But like, I'm trying to be myself CEO. Yeah. (laughs) And like empathetic and saying sorry when I need to say sorry. So. And self-aware. Self-aware. Excellent one. Excellent one. I think that is a big part of it. Um, to make it a full circle moment, oh, self-aware, yes. unlike my prosim leader, <laughs> didn't could not recognize and thus apologize for using racial slur in class. Right. <laughs> excellent, excellent full circle moment. You're, I always, you. I can always thank count you. on you for that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another week of if we were writing. Apologize only if it feels right, but we're going to try to do less of that unless we really, really hurt each other's feelings, which we will never do. Right, Sarah? (laughs) Never. None of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.